0: Several weeks ago, we recorded this episode with airplane crash survivor, Karen, who is on today's episode, and that was several weeks before the Kobe Bryant tragedy. Our hearts go out to the Bryant family, and this episode is all the more poignant, giving this uh, timing. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner. And it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hello, listeners. Uh, as you prepare for this very poignant interview that we have today, I wanted to also just apologize for some sound glitches. The internet didn't cooperate with us the entire time, but some of the material was so powerful, we decided to keep it in and, and know that our our listeners are going to figure out the message trying to be delivered there. So thanks for your understanding enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Clear Choices. This is Rob Eigner. Today's guest is incredibly inspirational. The things that she has done and accomplished uh, when you hear her backstory, I'm certain will amaze and inspire you. Karen is a author, the mother of three. Her three children work with her in a very successful real estate practice. And she's an incredibly athletic and active person—skiing, horseback, uh, martial arts, all kinds of amazing things that she uh, she does on a daily and weekly basis. And when you hear her story, you'll understand why those things and many other accomplishments that she's had are incredibly impressive. So, Karen, first of all, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: So glad you're here today. So. Tell us uh, a little bit of your backstory and why all these activities uh, that you're participating in are so unique.
1: So I love being super active, been a leader in real estate, but on the side, I was always doing all kinds of activities, whether it was snow skiing, water skiing, horseback riding. And I was a pilot and flew into and out of Truckee, Labor Day weekend, did a lot of flying all the way across country. And when I was flying out of Truckee airport, I hit what's called a downdraft and plane crashed. Great news is they say I saved us. Um, The tough part is my medical turn as an EMT is I was smushed. They didn't think I was going to make it to, to put it straight up and changed my life. What The residual was, is I broke my back, and therefore I'm a paraplegic and really can't use my legs. And being in a wheelchair, I had no idea that I could really do any of all the things that I did before, because really all the sports I did needs legs. The beauty is everything I did before I can do today may be adaptive, it may be different, but I still can do it.
0: Amazing. Uh, Who was on the plane with you?
1: So my husband was in the right seat and my daughter and a friend were all in the plane with me. And one of the things, especially as a wife and a mom, I was thrilled that they more or less walked away.
0: So everyone essentially survived with, you know, bumps and bruises and maybe a broken bone or whatever. Is that accurate?
1: Um, That's accurate, except for my (laughs) daughter broke her back. And it was a a fracture. They weren't going to do anything. They sent her to the trauma center that I got heloed to, and they decided to go ahead and fuse it. And what was interesting about that is she got back to playing soccer. I ended up still coaching the team, and she did cheerleading, and sometimes her back would just kill her. And so finally, I got her to a really good doctor, and they found a congenital defect And had she not had that fusion, she would have ended up in a wheelchair eventually. Mm. So, you know, as crazy as the plane crash was, here's the silver lining for us.
0: So essentially everyone but you walk away in relative good health. I mean, obviously complications, not surprising when you have a plane crash, but you had this life-changing impact on your physical abilities. And if I can ask... How old were you when this happened? And how old are you now?
1: So I was 52. So now it's been 10 years. Mm -hmm. Labor Day, 10 years. And it happened to be my dad's birthday when we crashed.
0: Oh, not, not the present you want to be giving him.
1: No. So thank God we loved.
0: Yes. So, you know, this is the Clear Choices podcast. So I'm always asking guests, you know, about their choices and how they go about navigating these major forks in their lives. So, you know, you're, you're obviously, you know, you've written a book about, you know, your survival called I, C- I can still do it. You're participating in martial arts. You're an active realtor. You're a speaker. You know, you're, you work ski patrol. You do all these amazing things. I know, I'm sure you weren't doing those or had the, even the attitude to do that, soon after the crash? Like, how did you cope with this? And how long did it take you to transition to, I'm going to continue living my life to the fullest?
1: So when I was in the hospital, which ended up being six weeks, I also, part of the injuries were head injuries. So I wasn't quite with it till I really got released from the hospital. And believe it or not, I think one of the miracles for me is all the activities I was doing I got invited back. So I was the MC. I was on the board for girls on the run. I was ski patrol and I continued being the trainer for ski patrol the year or within months that I got out. Um, I was a soccer coach for a competitive team. So while I was in the hospital, my assistant coach finished, but I started right back up about five months later. And some of the sports stuff took a while.
0: So, so let me ask you a question: Did you feel like mo- I think most people hear your story, and and I know this is true for me, and I, I I find it hard to imagine myself not feeling sorry for myself or feeling like a victim or asking the why questions, which are very like weak questions to ask of oneself. But did you go through that stage?
1: You know, I don't know if I went through that stage, but I will tell you, um not so much anymore, but early days I would call, my father-in-law used to call it for himself pity parties. And, you know, I hate to say early days because of complications, there were days that were really tough. And so for 20 minutes, maybe an hour, I'd be really bummed out or frustrated with myself that I was struggling. The great news is those pity parties, if you will, were short-lived. I usually you know got through them fairly quickly and moved on. Um, how,
0: how, do you, how do you account to that? I'm sorry, Karen. Go ahead.
1: Well, I think part of my personality is is a giver, and I think me giving back and being involved helping people, whether it's real estate, whether it's my search and rescue, that change of focus from myself to somebody else is what really helped pull me through some of these trying times.
0: I can totally appreciate that focus on other people really takes us out of ourself. So, So one question I would have is, do you think that you had that strong disposition because of who you are, like that was just part of your DNA, or was it a conscious choice for you to be like, I'm not going there to this victim mentality?
1: Great question. I really think I'm very helped because it is my personality. I'm very positive driven. You know, we make choices, and that's the other part of it. Every day, every minute, we're making choices. Uh, the glass is either half full or half empty. And I always want to choose the positives. You know, it's interesting. If I'm writing a marketing piece, I want the positives in there. To me, I can't doesn't exist. You know, find the try. I won't is a negative word. Again, always, always look for the positives. And that's a conscious choice.
0: So when when you wrote your book, how, how long after your accident did you write the book?
1: So it was really interesting. Even in the hospital, I kept getting encouraged to write. So I started kind of writing journal pieces, knowing that eventually I'd probably put it into a book. And so I actually started formulizing it into a book and getting an editor probably about two years after. And what's what's funny about that is the editor that I got drew the book out. So it ended up kind of being like a biography going all the way back to my grandparents, which actually ended up being really funny because I had some really interesting history I didn't know about. But to me, that who cares about my biography? It was more, what are you doing today? So I got a different editor and created the book that we have today.
0: And if someone were to read your book, and I'm going to say the name again, uh, I can still do it. Uh, and there's a website by the way, I can still do If someone were to read your book, what would you hope that they get out of it?
1: So the, the great thing with people reading the book, not only is my passion about it, but I've gotten so many people saying this, it's an inspiration. We all have crap in our lives. And you know, whether you've got paraplegia or you're dealing with cancer, which I actually had twice, or you've got family members. It's about pushing through adversity, and finding those positives, and making the best life you possibly can with whatever you have.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Very powerful and very true. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears here. I'm gonna read you um, some statistics uh, that I selected, you know, specifically for you, and and I want to kind of just get your reaction to this. So obviously, you know, this major life changing event for you was having a small plane crash. And here's some statistics for the for the listeners. In 2018, 561 people died worldwide in airplane crashes. And although that might seem like a lot, you know, let's keep in mind that there are 3 million flights a day. And over a year, there's about 3.5 billion people transported by planes. Now let's look at these the deaths by the billion uh, travelers in these various forms of transportation. So uh, a billion passenger miles on a motorcycle causes 213 deaths. Same amount of miles, a billion passenger miles by car, seven and a half deaths. By ferry, 3.17. By rail, 0.43. By bus, 0.11. And then we get to flying. Flying. A billion passenger miles, 0.07 deaths. So it it is literally the safest mode of transportation. And that safe mode of transportation totally turned your life, you know, in a a 180 degree direction. So how do you react to that when you see those odds uh, in comparison to, you know, how people travel on a daily basis?
1: Interesting uh, statistics. I've always felt flying is super safe. There's a lot you learn, especially in a small plane, that um, allows you to pull things through. I motorcycle. I'm an EMT. I can tell you how many more accidents there are, both driving and you know cars or uh, motorcycles. I do search and rescue for our Las Police Department, and we respond to the fatal crashes. So flying, I always always felt safe. I would, you know, again. I'm one of those. I'm out there. I enjoy loving life. You know, life happens. I'd rather do it doing something fun if it it's gonna take me out, right?
0: That's again just amazing the the positive attitude that you're that you maintain. Uh I, I know a lot of people would find, you know, the just the day-to-day challenges that you have to probably cope with to function uh as high at a high of a level as you are. Uh, i'm I'm sure it's just um, you know more taxing than than many of us would be able to to tolerate. so is is there anything that you do on a daily basis, whether it's questions you're asking yourself or ways to keep your mindset so positive? or are there is there a ritual that you have to, to kind of keep your modality as as sharp as it is?
1: I've always thrived on being really, really busy. Um, I didn't mention I'm also treasurer on the MLS listings. I am treasurer for Ski Patrol. I am a tech team leader for our search and rescue group. So that keeps me super busy. But I think one of the th- one of the real strong benefits. I have a really strong faith in God, and my beliefs, my prayers also keep me really, um, strong and focused.
0: Yeah. I love that. I know that's a a very powerful tool for, for so many people. Uh, what, what have been some of the benefits if you will of having gone through this? And, uh, before you answer that, I'll just share, as I have before on this show, my parents are Holocaust survivors and, um, there are certain benefits that we have had as a family by virtue of the fact that my parents survived something like that. It made us stronger in many ways. It gave us perspective in many ways. So I'm curious, how has this helped or benefited your life?
1: So it's kind of benefited me in two different levels, or my whole family. It brought my family much closer together. They understand and are super helpful with the situation. They're so supportive of people, you know, actually anybody. Anybody. Um, I think partly why they're so successful in real estate and the businesses they do because of of being in it. Um, One of the cool things for me is I've had so many firsts being in a wheelchair. I've been inducted into the Hall of Fame and teaching grandmasters and being keynote speakers. I'm not sure that I would have ever had that kind of opportunity. And all that special recognition I get is really exciting for me. But again, my passion is so much helping others. You know, it's giving me so much more um, dialogue to be able to encourage people because I've been there, done that.
0: Is there, is there anything you feel like you can't do?
1: So it's kind of funny that you say that. I would love to be flying right now. There's a catch why I can't. Uh, a friend of mine who's a pilot out of Truckee is kind of working with me on that. I also um, punctured my lung from the plane crash. I broke a lot of ribs and one of them punctured my lung. And when I visited a doctor, he said I couldn't scuba dive past a certain depth. Well, again, I don't believe in. I can't do it. I totally believe that I can do it. So I'm going to go to a doctor that scuba dives and see if he has a different opinion. The doctor that told me I couldn't knows I I don't do, I can't, so I can dive to 20 feet, but I'm working on the the deeper dives.
0: Do you think you'll ever choose to fly again?
1: Oh, I'd fly in a minute. Where I horseback ride is near one of the airports that I used to practice a lot in. And I'm constantly looking up at planes. I fly commercially all the time. The last big trip was to Munich, Germany. And I also... Um, just did a turnaround flight to LA. I mean, I love flying. I talk to the pilots all the time. Um, I've met another gentleman that was flying private and his plane blew up, but he got out. So it's always fun to talk to survivors of any kind. They have such a different appreciation.
0: I'm sure it, it, it has to just completely change your, your perspective on what to be grateful for and what to appreciate uh, when you come that close to, to dying. And in your case, you know, you came, you know, of course anyone in a plane crash is going to come close to dying and, and, you know, you are then have to overcome like a really challenging health matter that you're, you're coping with in a way that, you know, most able-bodied, fully able-bodied people are, are, are not functioning as uh, high of a level, as you are in terms of your activities and how busy you're keeping yourself. So it's just, it's truly inspirational. Feels like a good time for me to share with you the quote that I picked. So I'm going to read you a quote and I just want you to respond with how you feel like that speaks to you, if it resonates with you and how it relates to your life. The best way to not feel hopeless is to get up and do something. Don't wait for good things to happen to you. If you go out and make some good things happen, you will fill the world with hope and you will fill yourself with hope.
1: I so agree with that. Again, making choices every day, getting out there, making things happen for yourself. You know, it's just like I joke with real estate as a manager, I always just say, leads don't fall from the trees. You've got to go find them, you've got to go make them happen. And, you know, I hate to say I fall out of my chair all the time. Right now, I'm struggling getting back up. I need help. It's hard to ask for help. And especially me, who's a giver, it's super hard for me to ask for help. One of the game changers in my life, I ask for help now all the time. And people want to help. You know, there's always those few. But so many times we don't know how to help. It's so funny. So many people will come up. Can I push you? Of course, I think because of my age, it's like, absolutely. I'll take all the help I can get. And that helps change the energy. So falling out of my chair can be pretty devastational, just because it's so frustrating. But changing that to asking for help makes makes it all go away, if you will.
0: So uh, I'm asking this question in, in sincerity, and also I think you know it could be useful for people in the audience to to hear this. Uh, what are some of the things that uh, you know, as someone who's in a wheelchair, paraplegic? Uh, what 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 do people do that bothers you or offends you or that you feel like is disrespectful of someone in your situation? What what should we be conscious of?
1: So it's a great question. You know, I'm one of the things I do is I'm an EMT. I teach medical, and now they actually have added adaptive programs to this teaching. And so when I'm teaching it, TSA, for example, you know, move your legs or you're feeling this, right? That's really rude. And it's so much, you know, I don't get offended, but I always try to teach people so they don't do it. They don't know what to say, you know, ask, you know, at what level can you feel, get them to communicate. Don't assume that they can feel it or not. Cause that makes them feel bad.
0: And have you, uh, have you found that you are constantly sort of teaching people or trying to give them perspective on Uh, an appropriate or a a light, a way that you would like to be treated or you, is that a constant daily sort of experience that you have?
1: I wouldn't say it's daily and I kind of only do it if I feel like they're ready to listen. You know, some, there's a few that are just kind of rude, but most people want to know. And so absolutely I, my nature is very much a teacher. And Mm -hmm. so I try to encourage because you know, a great example is I did martial arts for years. Accident happened. The owners of the studio where I was training were friends. They didn't reach out to me. And it made me sad. So one day I locked it up and went into the studio. And they're, they both are basically said, we didn't know what to say to you. So we just didn't reach out. And so my encouragement to others is, if you don't know what to say, just say I'm here for you. I don't know what to say.
0: I think that's excellent, excellent advice. So where where have you had to become incredibly more patient? I've, I've got to think that being in your position just has to require more patience.
1: That's funny, you, you say that. I am incredibly impatient. I want everything yesterday, and absolutely have to be more patient. Just transferring to your chair. The biggest challenge is going to the bathroom. We don't go to the bathroom the same as able-bodied. It takes so much more time and that, you know, creates patience. I drive myself. And if I'm going somewhere where I don't have somebody to help me get in and get out, I break down my chair. And so I'm pretty efficient, but it still adds about five minutes on each side. So a half an hour trip is now 40 minutes. Guess what? That takes patience because you you can't shorten everything. It does take longer. Getting dressed takes longer, especially I've got a wonderfully supportive husband. I'm super lucky that way. If he helps me, I'm so much faster. But one of the frustrations I had, I dislocated my shoulder water skiing. And long story short, I had to have shoulder surgery. The first six weeks you're in a sling and can do absolutely nothing kills you cause you don't have an arm, right? Everything I do is with my arms. The next six weeks is, is working back into it. So basically 12 weeks on out. Well, as soon as I was solid, probably six months, my husband had shoulder surgery. And so I didn't have any support and I had to do everything myself. We, we call, we call that, that is,
0: we call that sympathy, uh, surgery,
1: Exactly. You
0: you had shoulder surgery, so he needs it as well.
1: Exactly.
0: So uh, so you were water skiing recently that I'm taking it.
1: Well, so that was a year ago. August is when I dislocated my shoulder. And the really cool thing, I'm an athlete with High Fives Foundation. And they invited me, oh gosh, when was it? Over Memorial Day to go up to Tahoe and water ski. And it was so cool water skiing. Um, I brought my water ski and a girl that I had done Paralympic snow skiing training, who actually went on to be a Paralympiad, was on the boat. So I taught her how to water ski, which was so cool. And then this other boat that we jumped on, because it was a group, I, for the first time ever, wake surfed. And I was kind of dead by the time I was doing that. My arms were gumby's, but it was still cool to try it.
0: So I know that you do uh, connected with the book and also connected with uh, the many organizations that you have leadership roles in, that you've done a lot of public speaking and and told your story. So can you share with us a time where you told your story, where you felt like you had a really significant impact on someone, or maybe you've stayed in touch with someone as a result of the power of your story?
1: So that's really, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it. Really, every time I've done the speaking, I've made great contacts and people have been so gracious and complimentary. The two last ones are very divergent. I just was up in Reading doing a, a whole presentation. They asked me to just tell my story and it was public works, mostly all guys, And it was really cool how gracious they were. And I also had done one for a book club that read my book. And they were so gracious. Of course, they asked a lot of questions after I told the story, even though they had read the book, they were like glued to what I was saying. And that was just so rewarding. And they all were so, again, complimentary where now they've asked me to go do the same thing for other organizations.
0: That's awesome. So tell us, what are some of the, you know, you sound, you're obviously you're, you're impatient like me. I'm, I'm impatient. Also, you're clearly not only very active, but, you know, very goal oriented. So what's, what's next on the horizon for you? What are, what are some of the things that are still out there that you're like, I want to write another book or I want to learn how to do this sport. Like what's next for you?
1: So actually it's next, but it's continuation. Um, for my birthday last year, my husband got me skydiving lessons. I've always wanted to skydive. So I skydived twice. Um, the day 10 years from the plane crash, I actually went up in a plane and skydived that day. Um, I'm planning to go skydiving more, which because I love it, it's so much fun.
0: Now, when you skydive, I, I have to ask uh, do you do it w- with your chair?
1: No. Um, I do do it tandem and we land super soft and my husband's usually with us. So he brings the chair out. They're really adamant that I could learn to dive myself. I don't know if I have enough time to do that. Um, I'm a strong water skier and they were trying to get me to do water skiing competitively for Paralympics, but they say that I have to train five days a week. I like too many sports, so I don't think I can do that. The other one that they were trying to get me to compete in is I actually bow shoot, and I need to get a little bit better practiced on on that. So that's another thing that I'll be working on is um, shooting with my bow. My other goal, well, one is to get back flying. That's a big goal because I'm not sure FAA will let me because of some medications that I take, and the other one is to get a doctor to feel like I could easily dive. The doctor that said, no, said, well, you can dive as long as you dive with a a doctor that will reinflate your lungs when you surface. That <laughs> so and kind just of said that wasn't worth it. So
0: some more jumping, some water skiing, some diving. Uh, amazing. So I kind of, as we wrap up, tell me what are some things that either I didn't ask you that you want to make sure you share with the audience. And then I kind of want to get some parting thoughts from you after that.
1: Um, Two big things come to mind. First, I will be in London. I'm getting installed into another Hall of Fame. I'll be the keynote speaker and I will be teaching self-defense from the wheelchair to grandmasters. So that's really exciting. And we'll be cruising to Norway before we do that. Um, The other thing that's really cool for me, again, things that you don't know that you can really do. In real estate, I've actually toured properties um, we've have been taking a lot of listings and staged the homes. And to me, it's just so rewarding to be able to do all these great things for clients, helping them sell their home for the best possible price, and helping clients find the home of their dreams.
0: I love that. You're, you're, you, I can just hear the the passion in your voice about all these things, you know, the trip to London and the awards and and serving your clients as as a realtor. Are you at uh, at all involved in advocacy for uh, disabled people? Are you involved in that as well? Or or is that not an area that you've delved into?
1: Um, I haven't delved in that only because I've been, I don't want to say sidetracked, been really focused. I am actually vice chair for the California Association of Realtors Investment Housing Group this year. And unfortunately, California government has been going after real estate so aggressively and that's been keeping me super busy helping fight for property rights and this year on investment housing there's five bills that you know we really haven't even started yet this year five bills coming to the table that will affect real estate and so, so you're, my advocacy has really been more of that right now
0: i see so when when someone else who's you know let's say a listener of today's show when someone's having a tough day and they're not feeling inspired to do the things they want to be doing or feel like they should be doing etc what's your what's your words of advice
1: it's actually twofold start thinking about somebody else and what can you give because if you focus on giving you kind of forget about yourself the other thing is think about what you have again You know, I am so blessed that I broke my lower back. If I broke my neck, I wouldn't be able to do so many of the things I do the way I do it. So I've always felt there's people worse off than you. You're lucky no matter what you've got. You're lucky what you do have. Um, I had the honor of hiring Lucy Wiedemeyer on my staff in real estate. And her husband, Charlie Wiedemeyer, lived 30 years with ALS. He only communicated with his eyes and he always had so much joy because at least he still was out in the world. And so just make the best of what you have, no matter who you are, you always have bad days, but you know what? Get past that bad day, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, have your pity party and then move on. Think about what you've got.
0: So I'm hearing giving and gratitude.
1: Exactly.
0: I'm hearing giving and gratitude. That's fantastic. Well, uh, as is uh, the title of your book, I can still do it. Uh, You absolutely can. Uh, You've more than proven that uh, in this short time together. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. And I know uh, the Clear Choices audience is going to get a lot out of uh, uh, hearing your words and learning more about your story. So I really appreciate you being here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed talking with you.
0: You too. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.